The Gun Dog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. If you want to get the most of your dog in your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba's new premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. Check out the new Yukonuba premium performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukanubasportingdog.com. A fine shotgun is itself a work of art as individual as its owner. Why choose an AYA? Well, every AYA gun is handmade uh, by our master gun makers with meticulous attention and precision. Each constituent part is carefully shaped and little by little, the parts come together until a perfect hole is created. Barrel, action, locks, trigger, stock, foreign. An AYA gun is a marvel of gun making engineering, a coming together of perfectly fitted and calibrated parts to ensure an unequaled experience with a reliability and longevity which defy the passing of time. Choose AYA today. And I want to bring in our next newest sponsor, guys, Biomatrix Supplements. Uh, my buddy, Andrew Bozeman, down at Deagle Plantation, where we just were shooting some stuff for Orvis, is also an avid user um, of Biomatrix. And I really like them because their products not only work for dogs, they've got products for horses as well. They're very heavily invested in the equine community, um, the working horse and, and working dog community. Biomatrix specializes in all all natural products created to maximize the health and performance of your animals started by veterinarians biomatrix products are made with only scientifically proven ingredients biomatrix knows how important a relationship with your horses and dogs are because they ride and they work dogs just as well as we do um, and so the, of course they got hands and feet on the ground last time i checked i was speaking to the representative julie younce and she was actually at a um an equestrian competition recently biomatrix knows that using the correct supplement with the appropriate ingredients not only maximizes performance but helps to provide the best quality of life for your horses and dogs so check them out at biomatrix-supplements.com and check this out while you are checking out the biomatrix website go ahead and purchase you some biomatrix products to pair with your dog food preferably you can use my promo code gundog10 for 10 percent off your entire first order that's capital g-u-n-d-o-g one zero for 10 percent off your first order at checkout thanks so much guys and of course i always want to thank my my affiliates lion country supply dakota 283 kennels and garmin fishing hunt for always supporting the podcast and 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 just being again role models and leaders in this community and and really bringing bringing new products into the world upland world by storm so thank you guys as always and i'm looking forward to getting into this podcast 
Okay, guys. Thank y'all, first and foremost, for being super patient with me as I'm, you know, right now in a weird spot, kind of struggling to get keep up with my normal weekly uh, schedule of podcasts just because we just moved into a new house. And this has actually been the first week that's been semi-normal, I guess, um, you know, since we moved in and tax season just ended for Ashley. And, you know, that was hectic because of COVID. And as of tomorrow, I will be done with teaching for the school year. So I'll have a bit of a break, um, you know, and, and a chance to kind of play catch up on a lot of content, web stuff, just really updating everything that I've been doing. And of course, you know, as many of y'all know, I'm a one man show. So <laughs> I'm trying to manage the whole thing. Um, a couple of things just that have been going on, you know, as of recent, um, First of all, to Camille LCC of Minority Outdoor Alliance and Tracy Ross, I'm a wonderful writer um, and outdoors woman. Um, they came in town to visit me and Ashley, or Ashley and I, um, and we had, I mean, for literally an introduction, quite a memorable time. Um, I got a chance to show them the dogs, got a chance to hang out with Anthony Grimaldi and, you know, run some dogs there and just, you know, get them introduced to upland hunting and just kind of working dogs. They, they really just came out for a day of dog work and exploring Atlanta and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, one thing that did happen is kind of uh, – you know, I guess kind of sad, but uh, we lost Q this past weekend. So she uh, she passed away. And, of course, as you guys know, and, and as I, I, I'm actually mentioned on this podcast and the one that I was doing with Alex Parks, um, I was really trying to give this dog kind of a trial run and, and, and see – whether or not she would turn out, you know, as a as a bird dog. Um you know, I, I she was four. Um direct daughter out of Miller's uh, champion Miller Speed Dial and black and white, you know, real even, real even tempered, just real sweetheart dog. Um but I, uh, I I was able to take her out with Anthony Grimaldi and and and, and Cammy and Tracy um, for training day, and I ran her with uh, with Ann. And you know, as it stands today, Ann is really, really, really showing some serious improvements and and a change in attitude. She's getting out there hunting, doing what she needs to be doing. Well, that was not the case with. Q, who messed around, and uh, when I turned both dogs loose, Q went one direction and went the other, and we never saw Q again, um, at least for another about 30 minutes. And so, n like normal, you know, I didn't think too much about it. Um, I was running the dogs without e-collars just because, shoot, I want my dogs to get used to my voice and handling, you know, for me with or without that collar not being reliant on it. 
and and we've done the yard work, the handling, and all of that stuff. So, and of course, like I said, performed spectacularly that day, um, running, you know, staying ahead, staying to the front, and not coming back in like she normally does. Well, Q, on the other hand, we lost her. And, you know, I thought it was a little weird, but normally my, my dogs, they pop right back out of the woods, you know, after a little after a little while, and they'll come to my voice and, and kind of, you know, get themselves re- redirected. And I never imagined that I would have an issue with her 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 running off like that but even even still it was on private ground so I wasn't necessarily worried about her going anywhere well I was on the far end of a hill Anthony got to scouting for me and, and looking for her as I kept running in and and we then you know got pretty far apart I mean quite a few hundred yards away and I saw Ann I'm mean, not Ann I saw Q pop out of the woods you know and out out of the direction of a creek and i hollered at anthony i I, I said hey man she's right there she's right at you know at the bottom of that hill and i guess from where i was i could see her and, and and i don't think he could see her very clearly if at all and so i made my way back to her and as i got closer to her um i noticed she was about fat as a pot belly pig man and that was, you know, kind of disturbing to me because I was like, man, and I, and I knew she was waterlogged. She was, she had sat there for the entire time that she was gone and apparently just gorged herself with water and just kept drinking. I, I've never heard of that before. Um, you know, she, and or I guess I'll say it like this, most of my dogs, I make them go find water when they are out hunting because I don't like them coming back in. I'd rather you be efficient, you know, stay out, stay to the front, you know, find your water, get back on in and hunt. And I've never had an issue with a dog not doing that, pointers or my lab. Well, when I saw this, immediately, like I said, I put her up um, with the hope that she would throw up. You know, most dogs drink too much water, they just throw it up. Well, that was not the case. Two hours later, she was dead. And, you know, I don't I don't necessarily know if there was anything that I could have done on that, you know, as far as to, to prevent that. Um, but I guess there is a, a, a lot to learn from the situation anyway. Um, one, I never thought about carrying charcoal, but I'm probably about to start doing that. They at least make a dog throw up um, and get things out of their system. I, I, like I said, I carry a first aid kit. It's, it's very minimal but you know I get done what I need to get done well that was pretty much how that went and you know I ended and and so Cammy and and Tracy I say that to say Cammy and Tracy helped me bury her um you know said a prayer for her and and so on and so forth but what an introduction (laughs) for some folks that I just met for the first time um and outside of that we were able to go um, and I set some birds out for them, did a little bird work with Ann and Vegas uh, running together. They killed some birds for me. And, you know, that was, 
you know, that was pretty much the weekend. They had they, they seemed to have a good time. And, you know, we were able to also get a little bit of podcasting in as well. So there's another episode coming soon, you know, for you guys in regards to that. And, and I will say, Cammy, wonderful insights. And she is just absolutely dedicated to learning the art of bird dogs. And she asked me to mentor her. And I don't take that lightly. So, Cammy, I, you know, I know you're at some point going to listen to this episode of the podcast, and I want to say thank you for um, asking me. Um, you know, it, it is an it's an honor. You know, and she's out in New Mexico, got a German short hair, and you know, looking for a next dog. So I'm glad to help in, in any way that I can. And then Tracy came down, hell of a writer, you know, and and, and even better storyteller. And so we'll be working together, doing some things um, in the very, very, very near future as well. So that's been kind of the thing that that's been most recent in the goings on of, of the Gun Dog Notebook and, and Darrell Smith. Um, if you guys have not, go check it out. Um, the Filson Journal has quite a bit of uh, interesting photography in, in, in an article called Honor Your Call. Um by yours truly and about yours truly so stay tuned for that go on to the filson journal filson website um, and check that out and then also there is a project upland film coming out soon and i want y'all to know this time is it it, it kind of revolves around me not kind of a lot of it revolves around me so i say that to say um stay tuned for that as well is super dope. I want to thank AJ DeRosa for editing the film and the opportunity. Chet Hervey for, again, the opportunity um, to get out there and, and work on a project about me and about the history of the South. And, you know, just kind of, you know, some of the folks that, that, that I get down with. And then um, Austin Gautier, like, who filmed it. Thank you. So all that to say, guys, there's a lot coming down the pipeline. Um there is some things we got going on with Minority Outdoor Alliance coming up very soon. Like I said, anybody that may be listening to this podcast and interested in the Bird Dog Scholarship opportunity, if you are in college or in graduate school, let me know. Reach out to me, and I, and I would love to see if you if, if you can be a candidate for this, uh, this scholarship grant. So that's really it, guys. Um, you know, I'm working, building my kennels and, and, and getting things just kind of back on the right track. Um, my internet was funky here for a while. Just, you know, kind of getting all that all that stuff back where it needs to be. But anyway, here's the episode with my good buddy, Bob Owens, who was on the, the podcast a couple of years ago. And Bob, I just really enjoyed Bob as a person. And it felt good to talk to him. He's just, it's always good, lighthearted, fun conversation and... Bob and I always just, you know, have a laugh or two. And, and, and it's, you know, we have very, it's interesting. I feel like we vibe on the same level a lot, you know, in terms of, you know, what and how we think about dogs. Um, we're just kind of in two different atmospheres a little bit. But anyway, here's the episode with Bob Owens of Lone Duck Chronicles. Um, check out his podcast also if you have a retriever. That needs to be trained for hunt, test, gun dogs, field trot, whatever you got. Go check out his podcast. I listen to it all the time. Been a long-time listener for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, check him out, guys. Here is 
Bob Owens on the Gundog Notebook podcast. It's been two years, man. It's been two years since you since since you were last on the podcast, but really since we were at uh, Churchill Downs. Yeah, you're right. Holy smoke, that uh-huh. just happened too, didn't it? That just happened. That just happened, man. And you, uh, if I feel like in those two years, everything has has really transformed between not just dog stuff and all of that stuff, but just your life and my life. It's very interesting. I think we coming in, I say we are fairly young in the game and to see that kind of evolution in it as your tenure in bird dogs begins to matriculate or, or continues to matriculate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, shoot, you've had two kids. <laughs> right. right. Like, <laughs> holy smokes. Like, yeah. I mean, it's so much has grown, evolved. Um, goals have been achieved. And then you, as soon as you hit that goal, it, it gets moved forward. And, and then I haven't hit some of my other goals. So you're kind of looking at it like stay hungry. Right. Well, that's a, that is actually where I, t- I told you we were going to be a little more in- introspective on here, right? Like, And then a- I had to ask you what introspective meant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a dog trainer, baby. Well, all I need is a dog trainer today, okay? So that that's what it uh, is. But I don't want to get into dog training. We we have the Lone Duck Chronicles um, training podcast. Your whole, Your podcast is about training. So if anybody wants to learn about training, go to Lone Duck Chronicles. Thank you. And and I'm sorry, Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, it's so facto. It's all <laughs> okay. I I, uh, I never get that one right. But anyway, my thing is a lot's changed. And I wanted to get you on here to figure out, like, what is in Bob Owen's head? How have you grown? And... Man, what what you know? Who are you as a dog man? You know what I'm saying. I ain't talking about no dog training. Like, who are you as a dog man? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. you talked about goals for a second. What were what was what was that for you? Well, uh, we have in my business. I have so many different legs of the stool. Like, is how I kind of imagine it. Right. So it takes at least four legs or a weird looking three legged stool, I guess, for you to be able to sit on it. Right. And I've got like six, eight legged stool. Right. We've got the, the podcast with my brother and growing that. And, and we've been monetizing it. So right. from a business standpoint, you know, that's been really fun right. to grow our listenership mm-hmm. and, I take a lot of pride. I started Lone Duck you know, like 10 years ago or something crazy mm-hmm. with the idea to help educate folks so that they can do it on their own right? and not need a pro. Well, I'm now a pro, but, <laughs> but I still encourage and teach and use my social platforms to teach people so that they can tackle it on their own, build the unspoken bond with their dog and, and go out and enjoy it, right? Enjoy the training process. Enjoy the fruits of your labor when hunting season comes around, whether a pointing dog or a, or a waterfowl dog, you know, 
you put all that work into the dog. The dog puts all that work into it, and then you go out and accomplish it. And the podcast, truthfully, dude, is surprisingly bigger than I ever imagined. It's it, dope, right? Wanna, like, isn't that a I, good feeling? It makes me so proud. You know, I've traveled a bunch running contests, and I was in Wisconsin. And some, you know, I'm talking to somebody, just, just talking. We're not talking about anything important. We're just talking. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a lady walks up. She goes, I know your voice from somewhere. I'm like, well, I'm from New York, so I don't think so, man. <laughs> I've never been here. Bob, hold on, like, hold on. No. Let, me, let me stop you right there. Bob, you do have a, a wonderful podcast voice. Let me just tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't know, man. You got a good podcast got voice, dude. So, <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But it, I was shocked. I'm like, you recognize my voice? I just it blew my mind. And and I I love having friends and guests on too uh-huh. that like will go to a hunt test and they'll be like, I heard you on the show, and and they don't even. It just it's it's so cool. So I'm yeah. really proud of that like leg of the business. Yeah. Um. The other leg of the business is is a breeding program. Yep. And I'm taking it very slow mm-hmm. and methodical. And, you know, my ultimate goal is to not only better the Labrador breed, but manipulate it in a way where I want to own the dogs I'm producing. Right. So that means they've got a lot of drive, but they need to be able to tone it down as well. Right. You know, uh, um, I mean, I train a lot of different dogs and some of them, man, they're, they're cool and they look stylish, but they're not that fun to hunt with because they're just animals. They're, they're wild. Right. And so I've got, I'm trying to find this happy medium between that edge of chaos and, mm-hmm. and excitement and love for it, but also control and, and that on-off switch that everybody uh-huh. talks about, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's so funny and, that and you that you mentioned that because as a as a pointer dude, right? Like, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just really wanted to no, touch, on, touch on that right there. I I like them wild as wild as hell, man. You know, and 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 in a and at this to your point, and I probably just for the sake of use, like obviously our breeds hunt differently, a little bit differently as far as, you know, what we're asking them to do. But right. that kind of wild amped up, like I feel like you starting a, like an engine. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it is dangling on the edge of chaos. You know what I'm saying? It, it really is. And it's like, how do you take that? And I guess for you, send a dog, to whatever range, right, down the field to take, you know, a blind retriever or anything like that. And for me to sit and swing a, a pointer running at top speed and take a wide left or right, you know what I'm saying, and cast it, yep. and you want to, you want it, it's like you got a ball of fire and you just throwing that joker. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh-huh. But how do you, oh, yeah. how do you focus that joker down the lane? It's hard. <laughs> and I think, I think we've bred dogs. Doesn't matter what breed. We could be talking about Malinois or right. pit bulls or, or, or our specific sporting breeds. And we've bred so much drive yep. that some of them, it's just, they can't contain themselves and they get neurotic mm-hmm. and they get, you know, just a little bit too much and they go on the other edge of chaos, which yep. isn't that fun to be around. Right. It might be fun to watch, but it's like, 
Is it fun to watch though? Like, is it fun to watch a dog come unhinged like that? Uh, (laughs) no, not, not come unhinged, but it's like, you're, you're hang, you know, hang on tight, you know, here it goes. Yeah. Say the, say it. And, and they, they're doing it and it looks really good. But when they go down, they go down in a hell of gunfire. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm trying to build a program that a breeding program that can both have that style and flair mm-hmm. and excitement in training and the dogs just eat it up yeah. and are ready to learn more and more and are happy and can take a little bit of pressure and stress mm-hmm. in the more difficult situations we put them in and, and just keep advancing. But I also want them to be, you know, enjoyable to be around when right. we're not working. Right. So we're, we're working on that and, and we've had a good amount of success at it. It's just, I've bought and sold females that just didn't cut it. I've yep. weeded out some males we bred to that just didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. so that's another piece of it. And I've been building that, um, as far as my training goes, I soak up every ounce of every word that comes through my podcast guests. I take every opportunity to train with people who are better than me and pick up the things I like and leave the things I don't. Yep. And I'm constantly juggling this like inner, I'm not good enough. I don't know if you've ever felt that or if anybody in their you know, normal day or when they were playing sports or whatever it is, where it's just like, Oh yeah. I think that's an absolutely humble and, and very real feeling, dude. I get it all the time. Yeah. And so it makes you push harder to learn more and be better and put that extra time in and grind. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get over it. I mean, it's yeah. when I was playing sports, I always felt like I wasn't good enough. And, uh, well, I, and I, I made it to some high, higher levels, but it just, I, I remember playing in Ireland semi-pro rugby and being like, man, I'm the worst guy here. And then I, I'm, you know, you're apparently not, but the whole time in my Bob's brain, I'm like, man, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> it well, is it's, so, it's in a way, man, what that is, is, is the need to get better. You know what I'm saying? Everybody want to get better, right? You know what I'm saying? Like everybody want to do something better. Like fundamentally, no one wants to suck, but for you, it's a need. It's a drive. You know what I'm saying? It ain't no different into dogs. That's right. You know what I'm saying? For you and, and for me, it's, it's, constantly looking inward you know what i'm saying like at this point it's pretty well known that you're you're proficient at what you can do but right. now how do you mentally make that adjustment in order to better yourself and better understand the dogs that you're working you know what i'm saying yep you can sit here yeah. you, you can have a hundred dogs on your hands and train every last one of them to be whatever level hunter that you want them to be but if you didn't learn anything from any of them hundred dogs, like what was the point? That's right. Or you waste an opportunity to train with somebody yep. that could have taught you something, but you're so stuck in your own ways that you miss what they were showing you. Yep. And well, they don't have to be breaking it down. Like, Hey, do this, do this, do this. They can just be doing it themselves. And if you're observant, yep. you can say, boy, I watched how he moved right there and what, what that dog reacted. And, right. you know, well, and it's so interesting. always be a sponge. It's, it's interesting. And I want to go back to something that you were just saying. Um, you talked about style, you know what I'm saying? And like, 
down here, man, I'm, I'm, I ain't gonna lie to you. Like with with my dogs, my pointers, and, and, and like I'm going. Let me let me cut it to one way. I was thinking first of all, and I have one Labrador and four pointers right now. And my lab, honestly, bro, I never thought about style. I never, it, it was never something that was a part of the conversation about a Labrador, if you see, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I spoke about the dog's ability to work, to retrieve, to do certain things. And with my pointers, shit, man, like that's what it is that I want out of a dog. You know what I'm saying? Like style, right? Like right. <laughs> style running and all kinds of stuff. So it's interesting that as a predominant, and I'm not going to say it's only, but predominantly you work retrievers. And it's interesting right. that you mentioned style in that. Like, I want to talk about that. Like, what is that for you? Well, I would say it, it's, it's probably the same in your world. So I'm looking at dogs who carry themselves competently. I'm looking at dogs who run hard on marks and run hard on blinds and stop when you blow that whistle they're sliding into that dirt, kicking up dirt to stop and look at you and their intensity. And, you know, when they hit the water, they're, they're going for it and they're giving it all they've got. And then on the converse, you have a dog that lacks style and it's like, they see a mark go down and they, they half pace jog and run to it. And, you know, then you stop them on the whistle and they kind of, you know, slow down and sit and then kind of look around and, and then look at you. And then they, they go where you tell them to go and mm-hmm. they're just doing it at their own pace. And you're like, da, da, da. okay. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. we got that dog done. And then you pull <laughs> out the, the dog with sign. You're like, all right, here we go, baby. Good. Yeah. Send it. And they're literally, literally kicking up dirt, trying everything they can to be successful and get that duck. Yeah. And, and that style, I mean, that style, it's like a, you know, a pointer, you know, everybody's different. Some, some guys would, would want a dog that slides in and crouches low and mm-hmm. tails way high, mm-hmm. head down. Other guys want that head and shoulders really staunch and tall mm-hmm. and that tail high. Absolutely. You know, other dogs, it's more, you know, the flat tail, like level parallel tail to the ground and they like that. And yeah. But but nobody wants to watch a pointer that like jogs, <laughs> right? <laughs> just like, <laughs> and it it is just so interesting. So and and that's that also brings me to another point of mine that I wanted to get to. So I got this dog, this female dog that's just like you said, just kind of jogs. Like I mean, kind of a charged up dog, but doesn't really hit it like you want to, right? right. Like just could care less about a bird, like might point it maybe. And if it does like, uh, you know, Hmm. knowing when to, at at what, like, what is your threshold for a dog like that? Like, I know what I'm looking for out of a pointer and that obviously ain't it. And she's got to go back to where I I, uh, picked her up from. And, And honestly, she was a risk to begin with, Bob. (laughs) Yeah, like I knew this going into it right like and and I think as dog man you take you take a chance yep I've done that before Uh so how long have you had her in work about a month I'd say probably about a month and she's four Hmm. Uh, I would say if it were me I would play for another month or two and see if like maybe she just lacks confidence 
maybe she didn't have the proper opportunity to have, remember everybody says birds make a bird dog, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe she didn't have the proper opportunity to, like, I don't know, man, chase. Maybe she doesn't like to chase. And and that, when dogs don't like to chase birds and I'm working up a short hair or a setter or a drop or whatever I got training, they don't like to chase that bird. You're like, "Mm, hmm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's know, pretty much where I'm at. Like, hmm, okay. <laughs> bummer, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I would I would evaluate her a little longer. I mean, if she has other personality traits that are nice, that might sway my decision. Yeah. Um, but if she just doesn't have it and you actually give a full 110% and you can look in the mirror and look at her two more months from now and be like, listen, honey, you just don't have it. <laughs> then, then that's that. She mm-hmm. needs to go and live with a family and just be a house dog, and or or go hunt with a guy who is seventy years old and needs a, a slow pointer. And you you got her steadier. You got her good with gunfire. Mm-hmm. She'll point birds for him, but it won't be. You know, he doesn't have to be on a horseback to follow her. Right. You know, and so you you on a dog like that, you try and pair it with an owner who can who that's what they're looking for. Right. You know, somebody's going to be super pumped about that dog. It's not what I want to own. It's not what you want to own. Or she needs a little bit more time to build that confidence and swagger. And all of a sudden, you're like, hmm, you're starting to get this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now let, know, let me let me hit you with another one. Then let's let's go, let's stay down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Okay. Same dog comes out of champion Miller Speed Dial. Uh, last year's national champion. Okay. This dog it, came out of a national champion. Uh huh. So you see where I'm going with yep. this? I yeah, think, you think the bloodline is gonna. Uh-huh. I mean, she could also produce some badass puppies. That's she what I'm saying. So would you? Dog. All right. So let's let's. This is my. That's where I'm going with it. You following me? So would you, for the sake of the pedigree? I'm seeing. I'm 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 pulling your leg and see how much of a pedigree uh, hound <laughs> is. Yeah, is, yeah. Is, I'm, I'm pulling your leg now. For the sake of the pedigree, would you keep her around even if she was a semi-subpar dog? In your opinion, she might be great for somebody else, but for what you need her for a semi-subpar dog. But she comes out of a wonderful pedigree. What'd you do? I would sell her. <laughs> it didn't I take mean, no that, time that to is, answer that question for you. No. If, if I did the if I did the old like look in the mirror after two more months of really putting time into her uh-huh. and she wasn't what I would want to own then I would have a hard time risking because everybody talks about the stud dogs. Yeah. And, and stud dogs are important. Um, it's the but female, I think dude. The, the, the puppies get so much from the mother. Yep. I'm a genetically 50% and B like mentally mm-hmm. they're learning how to be a dog from this mama. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a dog that's neurotic or a barker or, you know, just has some weird characteristics, I fully believe that puppies pick up on that stuff and will lean more towards the mother. And so, not like, in the history of all these dog men and women in our time and, and before our time, they would breed on papers. And so that female would probably be a a brood bitch and they would try and pair her with a dog of their liking and see what turns out. 
Right. But back in the day, dude, they'd also call dogs mm-hmm. and kill puppies that didn't fit the look or didn't, you know, it didn't, it, it didn't go and find birds. And so they'd leave it in the field and drive off. Right. Now, let you me know, say, like let me, let me, let me put this disclaimer in there, Bob, because, you know, folks like to take stuff out of context. You nor I is advocating for that. But (laughs) (laughs) like, let me just put, bro, I've already had an issue with that from literally doing the same thing is us talking about history. So let me just put that out there for any jackass that just wants to be that person. Sorry. Anyway, but that is is what they used to. Yeah, that was the thing. And not even probably used to there. There's still probably some jerk out there Uh that does that there. I had a conversation with. Dr. Spoo from Yukonuba. Uh-huh. Shout out to our mutual sponsor. Absolutely. Yukonuba family. And yeah, and he said that up in the Dakotas, the rescues, like the, you know, humane societies, the rescues mm-hmm. are are full of great dogs, bird dogs, because they just didn't fit what that person wanted. They'd just leave them in the field. Like that's so scummy and sickening. Mm-hmm. But but it happens, and time. so let's be let's be real. I would rather sell that dog to someone else, right? Because you might get one or two really good good dogs out of that litter. Out of ten puppies, one or two might be studs. Mm-hmm. Eight or six might be good, and and two are going to be not so good, right? And those eight good ones are still maybe not what you're looking for, and and I just think. As a someone who's trying to do the best I can, I would look, evaluate that female and say, if I'm trying to create X, you don't fit that X. So let me find another one that's closer to my goal and will help me produce six out of 10 that are closer to my goal. So let me ask you this as a breeder, okay? Because, um, and I'm asking you this as a as selfishly, because I'm, at some point I'm going to need another lab at some point right? as a breeder. What are you, what are you, are you willing to make any kind of sacrifices? If a dog, if a bitch dog has qualities and traits that you might be interested in breeding in, but might fall short of others. Are you willing to make that exception? How do you go about that? How do you navigate that? Uh, that's a good question. It, it depends on the trait. Um, would be my answer. And so I'm trying to think of a trait. Like I had one dog, she was off of a national field champion and she was too high drive, not fun to be around, barked incessantly, ate dog poop and, and actually wasn't that good at marking. She was so excited that she wouldn't focus. She just wanted to run. Yeah. So now with more training, you know, if someone was paying me to do it, could I have made her better? Sure. But, but out, no one was paying me. I owned her. Right. So I gave her an X amount of time and I, I think it was like two or three months and she just wasn't panning out. And I'm like, I, I don't want to own this dog. And if I don't want to own this dog, I don't want to breed this dog and create more of this. Well, it's so um, it's so funny you say that. There are that's almost an old schooler's way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Not passing on your problems to somebody else. Right. I've heard a couple of old schoolers say that to me in terms of dog 
dog dog uh, breeding and, and passing on and stuff. And it's just interesting that you brought that up. But sorry, go ahead. No, and so to me, those were traits that I just I couldn't overlook. Yeah. Now, if she ate dog poop and barked, but was quiet at the line and pinned marks and was, you know, a quick learner. I can kind of overlook some of those things because I bought her at an older age where someone who has a puppy can, you know, you're not going to let it bark all the time. You're going to, you know, it's going to be in someone's home, not a kennel facility where they don't have the opportunity to eat a ton of dog food. Like those are like minor things. But for me, if I've got to hang out with it seven days a week, you know, for the rest of that dog's life, I want it to be enjoyable. Right. Um, things like allergies, if they've got skin allergies, they're out. Uh, I wouldn't breed that. Um, what else, man? Think of, think for me. I, I'm trying to think uh, on well, some other I'm things a, that just I'm would a, automatically I'm a, let, do it. You know what I like to see in a dog that maybe you're interested in this? I look at the dog's legs and how they run. Simply put, mm-hmm. like, do I like Their the gait? way you look running? Yeah, like, and everybody, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's such a, a very uh, um, subjective thing. I used to run track. Both of us are athletes. I think that's how we even connected. So I know you know what I'm talking about. Like, yep, there are certain things that I like to see in a a runner, particularly human runners. I like long legs. I got long legs myself, and running looks fluid, right? I like to see a deer move through the woods. I like to see things with long legs run through the woods because it looks more graceful to me, frankly. Whether that be for a field trial, as far as style, the judge is going to look at that dog and say, does the dog look good running? I also want that dog's tail cracking, like literally high up, well above his ass and cracking. Uh-huh. But I want long forelimbs too. I like a long legged dog, and that's another issue that I'm having with with this uh, this dog that I'm decision. obviously yeah. No, it's not a decision. Shit, I didn't make decision. But like, why? That one of the things <laughs> that I <laughs> I didn't made a decision. I was just poking your brain. But like, um, I I look at the dog and I'm like, again, to your point, could I see this dog in my kennel? Do I like looking at it? Essentially, yeah. I don't like yeah. looking at her. That's right. She doesn't so have her, her legs are not long enough for me. Mm-hmm. It's just simple as that. She's a stocky dog. She looks like a pit bull. Yeah. I don't want a pit bull looking pointer. <laughs> so I think that, it, I mean, again, to me, if you're trying to do right by the people who are going to own your puppies, right. Those are decisions I would make. And, and she'd be out of my program and I'd find her a great home where she can be loved and hunted. And, you know, and again, so many of the dogs that I've bought and sold in the years, mm-hmm. it's like these people's best dog they've ever had. But for me and what I want, it just didn't fit the bill. Right. So they, they do serve a purpose and they do, they do have, uh, the ability to make people happy and mm-hmm. go out and find their game and hunt with them and whatever. But, but for me, it's just, I have characteristics, characteristics that I like to see yeah. and want, want to pass on. And if you don't meet 90% of the check marks, it's just not it. I, I had a really nice pedigreed litter that I had. I mean, freaking stacked dude. Right. 
and, and they're just a little bit too much. They're just a little bit too this. They're just a little bit too that. Mm-hmm. And so I changed stud dogs and now I'm getting more of that balance. Okay. That I was talking about earlier. Okay. And what, what about the stud dog did you change though? Like what quality? The, he's a little bit more calmer. He's okay. just a, he, he's picked up probably six or 8,000 ducks in his lifetime. So he's got plenty of drive and he's smart. But, but he could also chill out in the duck blind. And if you're not killing ducks, he'll relax a little bit. He's not sitting there shivering and shaking and jumping off and jumping on and, you know, being a pest. He's, he's just a little more level headed would be the word. Right. And, and he didn't have the same titles or the same stacked pedigree, but his demeanor and his level headedness and his, friendliness with kids and other dogs and all that mm-hmm. stuff like really and he's good looking so that helps right um <laughs> that does <laughs> yep that helps so we brought that in and i saw same mother but that father just tweaked it enough where they still got enough drive good drive good looking puppies they're healthy puppies and you know they're just not crackheads yeah I understand. I understand. Let me ask you a uh, let me ask you a, a very vain question in terms of looks and stuff. You and I both are big fans of Lyle Steinman. I think we can. I can yeah. say that on here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I had a hell of a time with him on the podcast um, when he when I did have him on. Super knowledgeable dude. Like, but I asked him a real a very real question somehow, and it was it was later on in our conversation. Um, I think I asked about aesthetics. Somehow we got on the conversation or topic of lab colors. And this is probably going to be the most elementary thing that I can ask you, but it was, it's, it's superstitious in a kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I was asking Lyle, like, what do you, does, does, does Labrador coat color matter? And it was mm-hmm. funny. He appealed to my senses and he appealed to where you and I met face to face and linked up. He said, you know, the Kentucky Derby, right? And I said, absolutely. And he said, what do you think the color is of the, the horses that usually win the most? I said, brown. He said, don't you think there's a reason for that? Something along those <laughs> lines, right? Like it was yeah. a very loud yeah. kind of thing to say. Yep. What that about a, a black? Thing. Yeah, like he broke it down and it made so much sense, but it was put so plainly. I was like, oh, shit. You, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. is there a thing? Is is there a thing to a black lab? Because I really honestly, I think this is going to be my, my last yellow dude. Do they win? Yeah. Is it? Do they win all the time or more consistently? No. No. Is that a um, myth? No. I mean, it's. It's statistics. So, uh, first of all, for everybody out there, I I have I'm not a math guy. So, <laughs> I, we'll go. We'll do the best we can. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I'm no what? help. I want you to know. I cheated <laughs> off my wife's math test in eighth grade. I'm no help. That's awesome. <laughs> so, black is the dominant color. Uh huh. Okay. So black is. In a Labrador Retriever breed, that's going to be the, the dominant one. Yellow would be the next most dominant, and chocolate is the next most dominant. And so, statistically, there are more black labs in the world than yellows and chocolates. So, statistically, 
the likelihood of a winner being black is higher because there's more of them. Is everybody you, you following where I'm yep, going? I'm following it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, because statistically more there are more black labs, those really good black labs separated themselves and got bred to each other. And then statistically the yellows just weren't as good and so they would still get bred, but just they not like it just didn't pan out. It's like how come all the hot people live in LA? Because all the rich guys and, and rich chicks are hot and they would move to LA right. and they bred rich, rich kids that are hot. And, you know, it just, that's, now you got a lot of hot people that live in LA. <laughs> uh, that is officially the title of this episode. <laughs> so, How come all but, the hot people live in LA? <laughs> that's right. But I think that realistically, oh, when you're man. looking at statistics of, of winners of field trials uh-huh. and, and and if you're at a master test, you're just at a plain AKC master test, which, let's be honest, they're difficult. They're an exceptional accomplishment. It's, it's the pinnacle of what I do. Right. But how many dogs are in it? You got a 66 dogs that can enter in a master test in a weekend. Right. Out of those 66 dogs... 45 of them are going to be black labs. 15 are going to be, maybe 20 are going to be yellows and chocolates. Then you're going to have three Chesapeake's, one golden retriever and one, you know, something else. Like that's just statistics. So those blacks are just getting bred more and continuing to kind of rise to the top a little bit. Now Mm -hmm. there's been, Field champion yellows for you know tons of them, um, and same with chocolates. So, yeah. and blacks can produce yellows and chocolates. So you could have a field champion black lab, and a chocolate comes out, and that chocolate still has the same genetic code as its black sibling. So I would say on those, that spectrum, like if you were to talk about that, yeah. let's just break that down for a quick second. Come on, if I have a litter off of badass black dogs and they produce black, yellow, and chocolate. That's called trifactored in our world. You got trifactored litter. Okay. In that litter, the chocolates aren't going to be dumber than the black ones and the yellow ones. Like they'll all have the same genetic code. They just have a different color. Right. Right. So I would say because of the paperwork, the likelihood of them all being equally good is is there is there right but when you have statistically better black then the likelihood of getting a better black lab is, is higher does that sort of make sense no it absolutely makes sense and it and it and it pairs with again what Lyle was saying basically just statistics as far as color yeah sure like more of them win but intellectually and all of that other stuff they're all the same you know, just simply technically based, speaking. Yeah. Technically yes. speaking, if, if we're boiling it down to the simplest terms, like if you're boiling it down, if I have a litter, litter if have I have a litter colors. and all three colors are there, they should all equally be the same as far as ability wise. That's right. Yeah. Just because it's chocolate doesn't make it yeah. dumber than its brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to kind of give a little bit of a break and, and talk about, 
when we talk about genetics and 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 we're having these conversations and with Bob and talking about color and talking about intelligence and all, what what we're most concerned about, guys, to be truthful, is unleashing potential, right? Like fueling these athletes, no matter the color, no matter you know the size, no matter the breed, we are fueling these athletes, and inside every dog is its own extraordinary athlete. What I'm saying is you don't want to waste that kind of potential. You want to train it. You want to fuel it. You want to unleash it. You activate the power that sits ready and waiting. Okay. You want to you want to tap into that stuff that's inside every muscle and, and fill every last cell with the nutrients to help dogs push harder, go farther, and achieve their peak performance. And, of course, you know where this is going. I'm bringing you guys back to Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Guys, please go check them out. Okay, for the last 50 years, they've used the power of nutritional science to fuel the dog's athletic abilities and unleash their full potential. And that's what we want. Understand that the Gun Dog Notebook is powered by Yukonuba. Okay, we are, as Bob always says, fueled up. And I know he'll, uh, you know, co-sign, co-sign on that one for me. Um, he does on his podcast. Bob is 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 Yukonuba family. So between the two of us, guys, we are running Yukonuba. Uh, premium performance uh, in our kennels and with our dogs, guys, and, and we definitely enjoy um, the relationship that we have, not only with the brand, but what it does for our dogs as well. So, guys, check out Yukonuba um, at Yukonuba.com. Now, check out the Premium Performance 3020 line. That's what I use for mine. And uh, check out the other options that are available, guys. So, then, after that, I want to make sure you guys go back in to Onyx Hunt. Um, I'm going to keep saying it, and I'm going to say it again. We have a film in the process that is also coming out. There's a lot of stuff for you guys to watch. So in addition, while you are saving waypoints and, and things like that in your app, guys, I want you guys to just keep your eyes peeled. We'll start you know, doing trailers and teasers and stuff like that. Um, use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. Okay. And then from there, I'm going to bounce on to Biomatrix supplements, guys. Make sure that you use it. My dogs are actually um, on two pumps uh, a day, or I'm sorry, not a day, a, a serving. So, you know, they get fed once or twice a day, depending on how it is that I, what I'm trying to accomplish. Um, and, weight and things like that but every time that i put both you know you can do the premium performance uh dog food in their dog bowls i'm putting one or two pumps of biomatrix supplements in there um and so guys just go check them out check out the instagram um check out you know more of everything that they have to offer um, and just know that if you have any questions, if I can't answer them, um, Julie Ounce from Biomatrix, who actually got me, um, you know, just excited about it, really, go check go check out the, the page, go check out the Instagram, reach out to Julie. If, 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 if I can't answer it, I'll get you connected with her, guys. Um, and, you know, I got a promo code for you that I've already left at the beginning of the episode. But anywho... Check out Biomatrix, guys. I want y'all to... I, I, I think I want to dispel the myth of like, or the, the question of dog food supplements. And I'm 
I'm here to stand by Biomatrix because I truly do believe in the product. All right, so check them out. Um, Biomatrix-supplements.com, guys. All right, and last but not least, AYA Fine Guns. <laughs> I have already put so many shells through that AYA, and I just love it. Um, I have christened my fair share of wild birds with that gun already. But most importantly, guys, AYA makes like Harry Potter's wand for for uh, for shotguns, for fine guns. I'm shooting a 410 because I'm Quail Man. That's what we do down here in Georgia. But you can get your own custom gun, custom fitted. Um, you pick the wood. You 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 have so many options that go into picking an AYA um, fine gun. You know they're coming out of Ebar, Spain. I just when I say the name Spanish Mistress, like that is what I think about my gun. Like that is my gun's like description, right? Like I named the gun Neptune's daughter, but really it's, it's, that's just the thing that comes into mind. I just, I really love that gun and I, I love the history behind the AYA company. Check that out on the Project Upland website, guys. And just everything about it, the way the gun was made, um, it is just my dream gun. So check them out. Um, guns starting anywhere between $6,000 and up, um, which is very good. It is spectacular for what you're getting um, in a custom shotgun. Um, again, if you guys have any questions or I can get you guys connected to AYA, please do reach out. I would love to do so. I would love to put an AYA uh, shotgun you know, in your hands. And, uh, you know, get out there. And Tracy from this weekend shot it, and she said it felt wonderful. She actually knocked the bird down real nicely with it. So that's AYA Fine Guns, and you can find them. You can find them online at uh, AYA-FineGuns.com. Check out their Instagram, social media, so on and so forth. They got a lot of good things coming down the pipeline as well, and they are also another wonderful sponsor of this upcoming film that I have with Project Upland. So I think I can bring you guys back into the podcast now. How's that sound? All right, here we go. I, I, have, I have been really curious about that myth, right? Like I, I was like, eh. not that yeah. I take it, you know, but it's like, yeah, you know, why, why are, more thoroughbreds that went brown. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are more dogs that went black? Is that is this is this a thing or is this just odds? You know? No, I definitely think there's a lot of science behind it, and, and I definitely think that the, the, the statistics are behind it. It's just you, you don't you do have to look at the paperwork, and you do have to you know pick your favorite color too. Like, right? I I don't know any how many people you know, got a dog and they're like, man, this dog stinks. Most people love their dog, whether it's the best or not the best. Absolutely. It's still their buddy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, I'm going to spin off of that for a second. I'm going to ask something else. Listen, I I got something else that I really want to, I, I was interested in your episode 101 because you missed episode 100. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an idiot, dude. (laughs) 
No, no, no. You want to know what that is, Bob? You're working too hard, Chief. You ain't even paying attention to the fact that you got 100 episodes out. Congratulations. Podcast, (laughs) podcast. If I don't say it myself, my friend. Thank you. Okay. There's 100 episodes in. It's it's like, damn, I've been doing this this long? I know. But in one-on-one, I actually thought it was dope that you brought up um, something. And, and bro, I've been listening to you since jump. Right. Like I've I've seen the matriculation of Bob Owens. It sounds like that sounds like a Lauren Hill album or something like that. Like the miseducation <laughs> of Lauren Hill or something like that. Like the matriculation of Bob Owens. And on the podcast, when you talk about Bird, uh, you just sound, there, there's a point that I think every in every person's career, they just get their own swag. And I think you're there. But. I wanted to know what about, as you so call it, the master stational, which I thought was an amazing name. Okay. (laughs) What about the master stational was the, was pivotal to your uh, career right now? Like why was that time or, or event so important to you? Cause it feels like to me listening to you that something happened there. Thanks man. Uh, I think something did. I think it, remember we were talking earlier about, you know, never feeling good enough. Yep. I looked up to the guys and gals that just plain ran a normal weekend master test. And I would, I would watch them. I used to, so sidebar everyone, I'm sorry. I grew up about five minutes from state land. Mm-hmm. And in the summertime, they had hunt tests there. And when I would hear gunshots going off in July, I'd hop on my bike and I would ride the dirt road, you know, back across a little golf course area, dip down some little trails, and I'd pop out into the field and it'd either be horseback bird dog trials mm-hmm. or AKC hunt test, retriever test. Right. And, um, and so at 13, 14, I'm watching these guys and gals like crush it. Like, how do you even get a dog to do this? Like, this is unbelievable. Fast forward uh, eight, 18 years or whatever, however old I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a math guy. <laughs> we I'm won't hold it competing, against you. Yeah, I'm now competing on a national level with these folks that I've idolized. The Lyle Steinmans, the Brad Arringtons and Lee Howards and Colby Williams and you know, uh, mutual friends of mine that we all train together and run weekend tests together. And I still look at them like they're just on a, on a pedestal in my yep. brain. Yep. And I'm able to, I was able to train a, a crew of dogs that could compete on that level and succeed. And it was a, an accomplishment that, you know, if you told me four years ago or three years ago, you would, you would go to the master national and, and pass I would say like, I don't know, man, like that's a great goal, but I don't know. Right. And I, we grinded and we got it. And then the, it, it also was clients that believed in me. Yeah. You know, See, and, and I felt that, that like after that episode, that particular episode, when you got back from it, yo, it felt like you was, you was moving off of that, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, dude, I, I cried after it. Like, 
when when my daughter the Chesapeake that I trained, she was two and a half years old. Yeah. That's a really really young dog, and especially for a Chesapeake, that's very very young. Right. She's either the youngest female Chesapeake to ever pass the Master National, or like one of second youngest, like real young. Right. They just mature a little later and differently and whatnot. And and her owner and I played rugby together in college, and. I raised her from a pup and I just, I, we did it together. He believed in me when nobody else did and trusted me with his puppy when nobody else did. And in two and a half years, we went from fun bumpers and getting her to swim to passing a national event that the best of the best go to. And they've got a 25 to 35% pass rate. Wow. And, um, and I, I got chills just now just saying like, uh, and so to me, it was, uh, it's something that no one can take away. That was another part of it is like, nobody can take that, that, that accomplishment away, no matter who gets it, you know, whoever, you know, and I might never pass another one and that would suck. And I wouldn't, I don't want that to happen. I'll keep grinding to not let that happen. But man, that first one was unbelievable and it just felt, felt like not many other things. Like, I, I mean, we won a state championship in college rugby. That was an unbelievable thing. We had a team to do that. This was just me and the dog and, and the hours in the field and the late nights and early mornings. And, you know, yep. Is everything is, 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 it is the grind. It's everything that you put in day in and day out. You're seeing it pay off. It's everything that you're studying. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 the art. You know, like what we're doing is making art, and it's That's a right. discipline. It it is a discipline. I think to achieve something like that, first of all, that's super dope of you to be able to even get to. First of all, it's super dope. Thank Second you. of all, you had a friend that trusted you enough to take his his dog to that level. Yeah, I um yeah. You know, and it brings up something that I think about. Like, you know, I'm all into, like, history and all kinds of stuff like that. And I love the stories of, like, the old school dog man, like, you know, and on the bird dog side of things, Jack Harper. And I'm reading Leon Covington right now. Like, all of these guys that it was the old school bird dog man, like, in the 1920s. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. <laughs> like way back then when it was just, it was a different world. Right. And, you know what they did they had to get people to trust even now but I, I just think the stories are a little more novel for me so I'm bringing them up but they had to get people to trust that despite the great depression matter of fact I'm going to give you my dog and you going to take him and be somebody you see what I'm yeah. saying like oh yeah there is something special about the 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 friend client dog man relationship that I think is just really interesting because that is, and it's not cheap to do that. Like you can spend about 40, 40 grand putting a dog on the circuit, right? Or putting a dog yeah. through training yeah. month to month to month to month to month. And I think it's dope that you had someone that is willing to take that kind of risk in you. That speaks a lot about the work that you're doing, and that speaks a lot about your commitment to the art of it. Thanks. 
Thank you. I, I, and you had asked like, what did it do for me? Um, after that, you know, deal, it also gave other people the confidence in me. There you go. So like it gave me, it gave me the confidence and, and satisfaction and, and pride. Um, but then it also helped my business where it's like, dang, look at what, what Bob did. And Absolutely. I want to send my dog to him and, and have him accomplish that. And, and trust me, folks, there's a lot of other better trainers and there's a lot of better, I don't know, like don't send your dog from Arizona to central New York to come train with me. There's, there's great people out by you that have accomplished the same goal that I did and probably have done it a hundred times to my two you know, and, right. and we're, we're going to go to Idaho this year and I should be taking about six or eight dogs. And so we're going to, we're going to run at it again. Um, but it gave a, a good, good group of people, uh, the, the thought that like, Oh dang, Bob can do this. And, and I can, I'm excited about it, man. Well, I'm excited for you, dude. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am really excited for you. And I'm and I and I know you'll put out content and, and document it, of course, like that and tell everybody about it. But you know, it it takes it just takes a lot to me, man. And there and there is a very special bond when it comes to stuff like that. Um you know that I think is yeah. in there. Now as far okay, so in the last been what, two years since we last spoke where do you where do you think you've grown you know since since churchill downs yeah um sometimes remember i'll go back to like not feeling good enough sometimes i feel like uh that i haven't grown where i wanted to and i bet back then i still had a similar number of dogs so a lot of folks will judge you on the number of dogs you have right like how many dogs you got on your truck not eight really okay and then That's I'll be like, thing. well, I got, you know, hell yeah, dude. Well, cause you can wow. do the math, can't you? Yeah. Right. Like if you only got eight dogs, that's X amount of months. If you got 20 dogs, it's X amount of months. If you got 150 dogs, that's X amount of months. Uh-huh. And so there's a little bit of, a little bit of judgment there. Um, but then there's also the quality versus quantity. And if you have like, to me, I, I have, well, I have a 18 hole trailer, two whole dog box. And I got a front seat, back seat, you know, and, and I've got people that work for me now so it, we can spread some of the pressure, but you can only work so many dogs in a day. There's only right. so much sunlight in a day. Um, and so that kind of is my cap is at like 20 to 24. So, um, and, and then, so you've got people working for you. What's the system? Like what, what's going on there? Like, how does that operate? Yeah. So we've got, uh, right now we have one obedience trainer. So she'll, she'll take in a young dog or she won't, I will, but she'll get them and we'll work together on it, but she will be responsible for obedience. So maybe it's strictly obedience. It's a golden doodle from Timbuktu and she's responsible for walking nice on a leash, coming when called, collar conditioning, sit down, place, all that stuff. Right. I have to handle that dog, but not much. I just monitor. Then I'll get young dogs into my gun dog or, or hunt test program, whatever it is. And she will work them as well as I'll work them like a bunch more. So right. she'll do some obedience. We'll do collar conditioning together. 
And then I'll be throwing marks for it on land and water throughout the rest of the day. And then I'll force fetch it. Um, I've got a bird boy that, you know, younger kid, you know, comes, rides a four wheeler and throws birds for me all day long. Right. Um, and then we're working on getting another assistant trainer who has a little more skill level. Um, so like maybe she can do the obedience and monitor that and she can do the force fetch and she can do the junior hunters and, 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 and just straight hunting dogs. And I'll do the handling drills and big dog stuff that now we're, you know, when you've got a little team around you, I can get 18 things done in a day instead of eight because many hands make light work. Right. Absolutely. So I've, I I have grown there and that's nice, but that's always a moving puzzle because let's be honest, man, I've worked seven days a week for seven years, six and six and a half years now. I don't know how to do it different and it's my business, my name's on it. And, And so to ask someone to make, you know, not a ton of money, right? Like, the bird boy was making 10 bucks an hour to have him show up on a Saturday morning. You know, some of them don't make it. Right. You know, they, they went out drinking the night before and that on Saturday, when I got a bunch of clients coming to train, they sleep in and call me at nine 30. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> like that doesn't count. Yep, man. Like, sorry. I, got, I can't do that. Mm-mm. So you, you have to incentivize these, these folks and, they've got to feel a part of the team, which they are. I need them and, and I want them here and I want them to learn and grow. But, uh, that those things are, have been difficult to manage, if you will. Yeah. Um, where before I just, all I had to do was rely on myself. Nobody, if, if I let myself down, I let myself down. Nobody else let me down. So I've grown in that way. Um, and that's been fun and challenging. What else, man? Help me out. That's no, that's dope, man. Like I it's it's I really wasn't expecting you to even go that deep into it. Like I guess there is the interest of like and I don't know if you think about this, but like I think about it, and I'm not trying to train nobody's dog on a professional level like you are. I have my own dogs and I guide, you know, and that's a pretty big part of it. And if in, in field trial when I when I can get away from my kids. <laughs> but yeah. you know, I uh I mean, I'm, I'm probably, I guess, overall, we're both highly invested, you know, in it. And, and, and it's curious to me, like, okay, at what point does it really do become business, right? Like, when it really yeah. is just straight up, like you said, that doesn't cut it. I need you to be here on time. You know, or... Yeah. Or you, you're making the hard decision of, okay, is this dog, you know, progressing... Or am are you spending a lot of money on a dog that's not going to really get too far? Yeah, you know? I, I I made I, like I definitely have made that flop. Like now, do I still have passion about dogs and compassion? You know what I'm saying? Like compassion to the dogs and and their owners. Yes, that hasn't really waned. Um, but but I I definitely am running a business. And I'm looking at things from like, even for instance, let's just uh, a silly example is like, 
some of my buddies, I train their dogs and they want to come out and train at six thirty at night. You know, they get home from work, they, they eat dinner and they want to come have a few beers and train dogs. Right. So I've been up since 6am, you know, training dogs. I don't feel like, you know, waiting around for you to get here. And once in a while, heck yeah, I still do. And last night, actually all week I've worked that late. Right. But if, but, but like there back when I only had a few dogs and that was a little different, like the, not that my passion has waned, but it's like, it has become a job. I have to do this. You don't. Right. And if you can only come at six thirty at night, man, I'm tired and I've still got a bunch more chores to do. So <laughs> I'm tired. And so that is definitely something that I'm all like, I'm trying to be better about because I enjoy it when my buddies do come and we end up making it a ton of fun. But, but before it was like, hell yeah, let's throw one more set of marks. Let's do this. Now it's like, man, I've already thrown my, my stuff today and I've done all that already today. So there's a, I wouldn't say burnout, but that would be probably what it would be called. Like burnout of the extra. I, I grind hard and when it's done, I'm going to be done. Right. And then when it's time tomorrow at, you know, five forty-five, when that alarm rolls off, time to do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, um, it's, it's, it's interesting, man. Like that, that I guess line of demarcation, you know, as far as like when it, when it actually turns into your livelihood, your business, a significant part of your income, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, and, and, and even doing this and even, even with the podcast, you know, I really, one thing that I, and I'm, I'm kind of jumping everywhere, but one thing that I do really enjoy about something that's, that's, that I I think, I guess is new shit. I don't know, but it on your podcast, on, on your Instagram page, your videos, like the way that it's filmed and shot, it's, it's incredibly educational. But I just really like the way that you handled <laughs> like oh, the training you. videos and things like that, like the positioning and things. It really does, like I don't know. I'm I don't there's just that matriculation there too. And I'm like, wow, this is Bob. You know what I'm saying? Like Thanks. That's dope. You know? Thanks. That's been a new project. We set a goal out last year to and actually Ethan and Kat from Standing Stone mm-hmm. really helped peer, basically peer pressure me. <laughs> I, mean, like I, was, I was like, I don't need another. Remember, just like we were talking about, like, I don't need another thing. Uh-huh. I need to worry about training dogs that's and it. that's it. Yep. And I've got a podcast and I'm doing Instagram. Like I don't need any more. I don't need, like we started a Patreon. Okay. That's one more thing I got to do every day. Yeah. But but it does, it helps people. And mm-hmm. I am about that. And I love, I love helping others. So when I get off that, like, man, I'm tired, but then you get those responses, man, that really helped me. That video really clicked. I'm in that stage right now and I needed that. It, it makes it worth it. Yeah. So Ethan and Kat peer pressured me into some more equipment and my brother or some other folks will film for me. And then we, hired an editor and they're editing this stuff because I can't do it, man. I'm, I can run an iPhone. I can't run anything else. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and that's been a fun project. We, we've got some more fun stuff down the line for 2021 in that world. Um, but I, I, I think I have a lot more to learn. I, I think I have to find my voice on film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with it, but I have to, like it's me and you were training together. Right. I can, I don't have to filter myself so I can say, I can drop an F bomb. Right. I can make you laugh. Right. I can, I can slide in a dirty joke here and there to break the, you know, the uncomfortability of you being nervous about training your dog. Uh-huh. And, and that's what I do with families. You know, if I'm teaching them how to handle their dog and, and I give them a healing stick or they've got the lead and they're trying to get the dog to heal, I'll be like, man, grandma Owens, she pops the dog harder than that. You know, and, and they get comfortable. So uh-huh. I'm trying to bring out my personality without overdoing it maybe. Um, and it's, I'm, I'm finding a balance. It's, it's some part that I want to get better at for yeah. sure. So it, it, would you think that like as a professional trainer, you take dogs in, is it more dog service? Is it more people service? Um, it, it's, it's people, right? Like I can train the dog to do whatever mm-hmm. you want it to. Um, whatever your goal is, I can make that dog do it. I have to handle you so that what I've taught that dog, you can take and build upon, mm-hmm. maintain and build it. Okay. Um, but the other thing that I've kind of started to settle in on, whether this is right or wrong, I don't know. But like my, my job, what I get paid to do is train dogs. The outcome of that is their owners are happy. Right. Whether I'd be happy with that dog is different. I mean, we were talking about style mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, the dog's drive and, you know, maybe their marking ability, like not all of them are going to come out of here. A student, there's going to be some C's and D's mm-hmm. because that's just who the dog is. Right. And we just, but those C's and D's make their owners extremely happy. Like, like best dog they've ever had. Yeah. I'm like, really? Okay. Well, you know, was it ever uh, personal? Like if you ever delivered a dog back to somebody that was a C or a D, was it ever personal for you? Like, did you, was it like, damn, why did I do, you know, like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. And, and those dogs, the, the, the important part is during that process, you're upfront and honest with the dog or the owner. Like, Hey, we're, we're really struggling here. Um, not meeting my expectations. And then they come and see him. And, and so you, like, I've tried to send dogs home. He's not meeting expectations. I just don't think he's made for it. Why don't we, uh, you know, just put it off here and quit spending money. And he'll be a great family dog. And like, he's good with gunfire. You can take him hunting, but he isn't going to be what you want. And then they come and look at him. They're like, no, 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 he's doing good. You're just doing it. I'm like, all right, well, okay. Um, but, but yeah, dude, it's the only, that's communication with with the owners. If, If you're upfront and honest with where the dog is at and you don't like hide that the dog sucks or, even like, let's, I mean, charge of their care. Right. Let's say they got a, a cut on their foot or ear. Listen, they all get cuts on their foot or ear. 
I don't let people know and then they show up on Saturday and they're like, wait a minute, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. well, you know, you gotta just communicate with people. And, and sometimes I can be at fault at that. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. Um, but I think being as upfront and honest about the dog's ability, the dog's intelligence level, the dog's, you know, desire to do the job and what their end goal is. Like, is it going to meet their goal? Yes. Is it not going to meet their goal? Then let's make a decision and help them through that process. But the, the real deal is just teaching people at the end or throughout the process, which is more preferred to manage the dog, develop the dog, learn body movement and the dog's body language and how to work that dog so that the dog can succeed. Okay. Okay. So like, that was actually a really, really good point. <laughs> I just, wow, you just really broke that down well. So at, at a point, like, you, I guess as long as the dog is with you, you're just, you just stay motivated to keep working it. Like, I, I guess that's the thing when you don't see much potential in a dog. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not training anybody's pro dog. You see what I'm saying? Like, if I don't like a dog, yeah. I can just take it back or give it away or, you know, whatever, rehome it and just be done with it right 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 but with you it's like okay like i you know it you got to be careful too because you could be you know this is this is somebody's family member uh-huh so so you have to discuss it in a way where you don't insult their family member right that's what so i'm saying it, like you're towing a line a lot <laughs> like you're towing a line a lot like, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and but that also motivates me to do the best I can by every dog, so that I don't have that have that conversation. Right, right. So I mean, I've got one right now. I mean, he doesn't like to swim; it won't swim for me. Now, why is that, no. Bob? Like, why? Why you got a Labrador that doesn't like to swim? Like that confuses me, especially like a, a, a Labrador retriever that don't like to retrieve. Yeah, well, it comes down to paper. We talked about it earlier. Uh-huh. Um, like, but he's black lab. He likes to retrieve. He's not that good at it, but he's getting there. But he just, he's afraid to take the leap and swim. Interesting. So I've got to continue to build his retrieve drive with live pigeons, ducks, whatever it is, whatever, a tennis ball, Kong, I don't care. Well, Kong probably doesn't blow it. never really tried it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, wh- whatever I can get him so amped up that the excitement to go and get it yeah. overrides the fear of getting in. Yeah. Um, and if he can't do that, then he won't be a duck dog. He might be a field goose dog and a pheasant dog and a couch potato best friend. But if he can't overcome the swimming, then that's a decision I have to make with the owners and say, listen, you want me to stop here? This is what he's done. He's doing well, but he's, he's afraid. And if you want to keep spending money, we can keep trying, but it's not looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, let's say I train a hundred some dogs a year, maybe more than that. I don't really know. Maybe three to five of them don't make it. Now, if you're trying to make a master hunter, if this dude with that same dog doesn't like to swim right now, 
and it's been a little while like, and his goal is a master hunter, I would tell him, let's go, let's get a different dog. Right. But that's not his goal. He just wants a good duck dog to go hunt with him on the weekend and pick up, you know, three wood ducks and a wood duck swamp. Yeah. You tell me I can't do that. I can. We gotta just keep being persistent. Yeah. So, what do you care most about, man? Is it is it it is it hunt testing, field trialing? Is it just making a good gun dog? What what matters most? Uh, making people happy. Uh, okay, 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 okay. That was the that was the. <laughs> <laughs> What I care about most, I would prefer to just run hunt, test, and hunt. Really? I love my, yeah, I love my hunting dogs. I love taking my dogs hunting. I love all that. And I love competing because it holds me accountable. If you fail a test, it's because I didn't do a good enough job. Right. And so, you know, to, to turn out a good hunting dog is, is, takes skill. It takes, persistence it takes a lot of effort but then to go and pass on a judged event is next level and to know that three weeks from now we got to travel you know five hours to ohio and prove that the work that we put in was at the caliber that it needed to be pushes me to do one more round or get up a half hour earlier and and get that dog done because he's just behind a little bit. And uh, so the hunt test and the, that stuff pushes me, drives mm-hmm. me. I love the accomplishment of it. It's fun. Um, hunting and seeing what the hard work go into it and, and come out the other end with a, a really fun hunting dog. Um, but at, again, over the broad scheme of things is just want to make people happy. I make if I made you happy tonight by being on the show and I can tell you right now just your conversation made me happy like yes, I was selfish oh I didn't had I'm, a I didn't had a hell of a time yeah like I'm selfish I'm having a great time yeah. we, made, we we got to enjoy this yeah. this was a great great time um you know hopefully somebody that listens will have had a good time tuning in or on their ride they they smile like I just want to make people happy mm-hmm. I want to crack a joke I want to you know, show them something on my Instagram story that teaches them a little drill that they can do and it helps them in their dog or whatever, man. It's just make people happy, do good, work hard. Life's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a, that's a, a capital point, man. Well, shoot, man. What, what do you got, man? Like it, that, that's, as we, I don't want to hold up too much of your time, but what what you got for the podcast? Anything? What do you mean? I don't know. You got any closing thoughts or or anything that that you want to leave for the guests, the audience? Uh, first off, I want to thank you for having me back. <laughs> and I appreciate your hospitality of of having me on. I I really can't tell you how proud I am of of your two years, well, you know, you. like you asked me a lot about my two years and we, you know, everybody who listens to you knows your two years, but <laughs> you, you have, you've grown in number of dogs, you've grown in number of children, you've set out goals to guide quail hunts and, and train more and run trials. And, and I'm super proud to, 
to know you and watch your journey. And well, it's been really, you. really fun. And likewise, dude. Uh, thank you. Thanks. So I'm proud of you. And thank you for having me on here. That means a lot to me. Yeah, and man. And um, you know, closing thought for me is I appreciate everybody who tuned into this episode. And if you'd like to learn more, uh, you can jump on our Instagram. It's mm-hmm. at Lone Duck, L-O-N-E-D-U-C-K. Um, on there, you can find helpful tips and tricks for training your dog. We've got a Patreon account where I kind of, you know, you might have heard me crack a beer. Like, hey, for five bucks a month, you, you buy me a beer and I can answer your questions on helping you train your dog. There you go. No big deal. It's just a little something, something to keep the ball rolling forward and you know other than that man i just i want to say thank you and thank you all for listening and mm-hmm. you know i'm from lone duck hey man uncle go che- go go check out uncle bob man go check out uncle bob at lone <laughs> duck I, i've been thank rocking you. with uncle bob since the beginning though so that's right yes sir we're ogs we we're oh, are, are we are we podcast ogs I don't know. They're definitely older OGs. But we've been in the game. We've been in the game, bud. We've been we in the been game in the for game. a minute. It's interesting. That's right. I mean, okay, so That's we right. uh, so we we might be oh, OGs or double O. We're not triple OGs. <laughs> no, we're not triple. We might no, be double my, OGs. Well, I'm getting gray hair. I don't know about you. I, I got a little gray hair, man. Yeah, I got a little gray. I can't hair. grow a full beard. I, I still can't grow a full <laughs> beard, but I got gray hair. I shoot, man. I need to shave my beard. <laughs> Bob, well, man, it's 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 always a good time talking to you, man. Same here. Thank you. I yes, appreciate sir. you very much. Hey, anytime. One of these days, we are gonna get back and link up too. That's right. Yeah, man. Well, look, I'm going to go ahead and get this episode up. That's the close of the Gundog Notebook Podcast and the Lone Duck Chronicles Podcast. Go check them out. Go buy them a beer. Please, please buy Bob a beer. Thank you. Buy Bob a beer. Say that five times and donate $5. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, let's close the episode. All right, guys, that's the closing of another episode of the Gundog Notebook Podcast. I want to give a special thanks and shout out and encourage you guys to go use any of the promo codes that I have available. Um, You can find them at the front of the episode. But, of course, I want to say a major thank you to my title sponsor, Onyx Hunt. Stay tuned for a few of the happenings that we got coming down the pipeline. My next sponsor, Yukonuba Sporting Dog. They always keep my dogs fed. Matter of fact, I just got two new boxes today. AYA Fine Guns. Guys, I shoot dang well with it. And I got a 410. You can shoot well too. Get a gun fitted to yourself. And go shop AYA. Um, my other sponsor, Biomatrix Supplements. Guys, new, new, new kids on the block, man, and I'm loving everything that it's doing. My dogs are running hard. They're looking good, and they are nourished um, in so many different ways. 
through Eucanuba Sporting Dog and the Biomatrix Supplement Combination. I love it to death. That's just my vibe. That's that's what I'm going for. Um, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Andrew Bozeman down at Decal Plantation. I'm rocking a Decal hat all the time. Um, Andrew was the one that got me connected to Biomatrix. So thank you again to Andrew. Um, I want to say thank you to Dakota 283 Kennels, Lion Country Supply, Garmin Fishing Hunt, which I also have a 200i in the mail on the way. So I'll, I'll get a chance to check that out, guys. Um, and outside of that, the Project Upland community, uh, check out that uh, that app coming soon. Um, we've got a few more things with Project Upland coming down the pipeline as well, including my film. Check out the magazine, uh, the new magazine that just recently came out in addition to Hunting Dog Confidential. Um, cable Gangs, guys, go get you a Cable Gang. Reach out to Brendan Landry. Um, you can check them out on Instagram. And did I forget anybody? I don't, I don't, I don't think I forgot anybody. Hmm. I don't think I did. Anywho, well, we're here. It's the end of the episode, guys. Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. And rest in peace, Flatlands Crossfire Q. All right. Talk to y'all soon. <laughs>